<laughs> yeah, I'm so nervous. <laughs> if you'll stand with me, we're going to go right into it, make sure we have plenty of time. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 8. Look at all these beautiful faces. You guys got up, got dressed, and now you're in the house of the Lord. Anything, is, anything can happen, y'all. Anything is possible. If we come ready and expecting, anything can happen. I want to give honor to my bishop and my first lady. So thankful for them. Appreciate them being just a, a, a firm foundation in my life um, to help me be who I am today. I've been here a long time. <laughs> And they've been, they've been another set of parents for me. Um, and I really appreciate them very much. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Moreover, brethren, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. First gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. Now drop over to, with me to verse number nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, and their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be equality. Verse 15, as it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care in your heart of Titus for you. I should have stopped at 15, sorry. You may be seated. I was given the assignment to talk about stewardship and missions. And as I sought the Lord on how to approach this, he gave me just a general idea of stewardship and Christianity. And so this is where I get my title from. Stewardship is the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. Now, in my ignorance, maybe in my immaturity, stewardship, when I think of it, when I, well, when I thought of it, I would think of money. Like, that's common, I think. First, when you think of stewardship, you think of money, how you're managing your money, what you're doing with your money, are you doing making good choices, are you using wisdom? Like, but as I was studying this, the Lord helped me to see that it goes beyond money. If you're a parent, you're a steward. 
If you are a student, you're a steward. If you are a leader of any kind, you are a steward. Stewardship is the responsibility you have to be responsible um, for somebody else's things that have been given to you to take care of. So you're responsible or entrusted with somebody else's goods. Our responsibility is to manage it well. And so here in this text, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. He's actually kind of trying to um, provoke them to do a good work and to pick up kind of where they left off. And hopefully I'll get there. But he's, he's, he's saying that, look, I went through Macedonia, the church of Macedonia, and let me tell you what happened. Like, it blew my mind. He's telling them, he said, I went there, and they were going through, and they were in, like, severe poverty. They, they didn't have all the monies, and they, they were being persecuted. They were, being, they were having hard times. But he said, the joy of that, the joy of their affliction, that's a whole other preaching in itself, but the joy of that affliction and their severe poverty moved them in compassion. And they gave what they could and beyond. They didn't just stop. So if they were in deep poverty, I think it's kind of safe to assume that money wasn't, you know, just at their hands, in their reach. So what did they give? Because it goes beyond our financial giving. They had talents. They had gifts. They had other things. They had themselves. And it said that Paul, knowing their circumstance, he said, I thought that they were just going to give me this little bit, but they were like, let me go with you. They were like, take this. They were like, do that. They may not have had the money, but they felt they knew that they were taken care of even though they were in poverty. They knew that they were, even though they were having hard times, they knew what it felt like, and they knew that God was good. Because James tells us that count it all joy, count it all joy when you are in diverse um, temptations, when you're going through these different things, be joyful. Why? He says because it makes you better. It makes you more like him. So they were going through it, and they were in what what we would consider lack. But in that, the joy and the lack brought a result to give beyond their measure and Paul was amazed. He was blown. His mind was blown. He said they went beyond what I could, what I thought that they would do. And so he reminds them, he did this to encourage the Corinthian church that I know you're going through too, but because you love with the love of Christ, with the grace of the gifts of grace that God's given upon you, be like the church of Macedonia and give, take care of your brothers and sisters kind of like what we do when we take a missions offering. We know that they're overseas planting churches. They're being persecuted. They're going without. They don't have the luxury that we have right now, and they've they've willingly given that up. And so we over here will support them. We may be going through hard times. We may not have it like that, but I guarantee if you can go buy you a 99-cent burger from somewhere, ain't no such thing as 99-cent burgers anywhere anymore. But if you can go get you a $1.99 burger from McDonald's, that $1.99 can support somebody else that ain't even got that. And this is what Paul was trying to bring out, using the Church of Macedonia as an example. And he says, remember, Christ died for us. He came off of his high and mighty throne his rich, he owns a thousand cows on a hill, cattle's on a hill, right? And he became poor 
so that you and I can be rich. This is backwards for the world today. <laughs> the world says if you, if you ain't got it, then hold tight to what you got. If you can't do it, you know, put it up for a rainy day. Sucks to be you. I will pray for you over here, and you just, you, the Lord going to make a way. That's how the world operates. But Paul is telling us quite the opposite, and he, he says, remember Christ in this, that through his poverty, we are made rich. And he says, he's not telling you to give so that you're hurting and somebody else can be good. He said, that's not the, the point of it. That's not the, the, the mission. That's not the intention. What he's saying is, is we are supposed to take care of one another, and we need to have all things common. He's telling the Corinthian church that you started taking this offering Hard times came, and he's saying, pick it back up and keep going because the Lord's going to take care of you just like he's doing the church of Macedonia. Just like he says it is written, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. It's a hard concept to hold, especially when you still got to pay the bills, or you still got to feed your kids, or you still got to get to work and back and you ain't got no gas. There is, uh, I think her name, Anne Frank, I believe it was. Anne Frank, she was a Holocaust, um, pers- uh, a young lady in the Holocaust. She said that nobody ever went poor giving. Nobody has ever gone poor giving. In fact, it's quite the opposite. In chapter 9, Paul is continuing on encouraging the church of Corinthians to give their offering. He told them, um, I, don't, I don't know the time frame. I didn't dig that deep in it. But back in 1 Corinthians 16, he told them, go ahead on the first day of the week, put something up. With however the Lord blessed you, put away something. He didn't give a number. He just said, as you will, put something up so that when I come, I don't have to take up a special offering, but it will already be ready for me. I don't have to make a, make a big deal about it. You know that I'm coming. Get it ready. So it took some time, and this is when he told them, I'm going to travel through Macedonia before I get there. And he, when he traveled through Macedonia, ran into this great blessing and their willingness to give. So in chapter 9, he's continuing to help them to understand and encourage them that God loves a cheerful giver. And we know this verse all too well in 9, or 2 Corinthians 9, um, 6, or 7 and 8, or 6 and 7, yes. Um, but this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That verse right there is, I think, it just, it, it's probably my favorite verse out of that chapter. He's, he's telling them, whatever you purpose in your heart, whatever you're willing to give, there's no necessarily right or wrong, but understand that if you give just a little bit, you're going to reap back a little bit. But if you give a lot of bit, you're going to reap a lot. And not only that, not only will you reap back what you sow, but he's saying that, God is able to make the elements work for you. He's saying for for you to do, continue to do a good work, he will make the elements work for you because your heart to give, to take care of his, you're about the father's business. He's going to be about yours. Amen? 
Pick up with me on verse 9. Chapter 9, verse 9. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. This is so powerful. It's so powerful. He, Paul encourages them again and he's telling them, that not only will you get back what you sow, what you put in, whether it be money, time, gifts, talents, no matter what it is, not only will you get it back, but people are going to know the Lord, that God sees them. They're going to know that God's grace is for them, that God is for them and not against them because Jesus came to give. God gave his son, and he's calling us to pick up that ministry. Christ left that ministry to us. Oftentimes, we like to leave it at salvation, but it goes, be, it goes after salvation as well. And we are to pick up. We are to meet the needs of one another and to all, Paul says. And if we find ourselves in a position that we can't, perhaps you should try giving anyway and see what God will do. Amen. And so, side note, nowadays we see a lot of joyless Christians walking around. Paul brings to the attention of the Corinthian church that the Macedonian church had joy in their affliction. And in their joy, they were giving. So perhaps if you need some joy in your life, give, even when it hurts. Amen? Amen. So I really love that. I really love how God will make the elements work for us when we are willing to give of ourselves, to give our, our, our talents and our gifts. Go with me to Matthew 25. R.C. Sprawl, he is a, a famous the, theologian. He says, the worst sin against stewardship is a wasted life. The worst sin against stewardship is a wasted life. I wonder what he means by that. Well, let's talk about it. We know Matthew 25 talks about the uh, talents. A traveler master went to travel far away, and he gave talents to three of his servants. He gave one five, one two, and one one. I'm not going to read through this because I, I feel like we're familiar. If you're not, come see me and I'll break it down for you. But he gave them talents according to what they could handle. He didn't give them more than what they could handle. And as I'm reading this, I stopped for a minute and I thought, you know what, Lord? Two out of the three did something. The one didn't. So I'm putting you all in my brain real quick. 
So I was like, that tells me that the two that actually did something had more of a relationship with their master than just a service to him. Why is that? Well, they kind of picked up where he left off. If what the, 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 the servant with the one talent said is true, what did he say in verse 24? Let me read that, 25 and 24. This is what the servant with the one talent said, why he hid it. He said, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sowed and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. So he pretty much was saying, like, I knew you was hard and I knew that you, you, you kind of got some clout around here. And I really didn't want to mess it up. I was afraid I might fail and, you know, lost it. So instead, I just kind of kept it right here. Here it is. You know, he thought, probably thought he did his good job. So what was the difference from his response compared to the other two who took their talents and just kind of picked up where the master left off? If this master was that person that had, you know, he, had, he had a, obviously had a good name. He had a, a strong foundation for his business or his work or whatever he did. They, they, were, they watched him closely. And they took what he did and what they seen him do or what they um, were used to taking instruction to do. And they just kept going. And then the one servant who said that, you, you, you know, I might fail so I better not do it, decided not to. So that tells me, it lets me know that he probably, they probably had a relationship with this master more than just a service to him. That's key to stewardship. It is so key to stewardship because stewardship in itself, like I said, it is the Christian life. Robert Louis Stevenson is another famous theologian says, you can give without loving but you, can't, but you can never love without giving. These talents could have been anything. It could have been his money. It could have been their ability to cook. It could have been their ability to sew. It could have been their ability to, to ride horses. I don't know. It could have just been the fact that they carry a presence that make people feel safe. Whatever, there's no small or no great. Whatever it may be, they went and they did something with it. They didn't count themselves out. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. This stands out to me because if I've got up here a few times before and just brought out how important it is to learn how to love yourself. Because the great commandment is love thy neighbor as you love yourself. You can do all of the giving and your heart could be cold as ice. But it's impossible to have true love and not be able to not give. And this is where... I feel like these two servants with the servants with the five talents and the servants with the, the two talents stand out. They had a love for their master. It wasn't a fear. It wasn't a, a I'm incapable. They said he entrusted me with these things. So I've got I've to pick up. I got dominion. He's giving me dominion. So I'm going to walk in his dominion. He's giving me authority. I'm going to walk in his authority. It's borrowed authority. It's not nothing about them. But the master that put, that approved his name on their, on, on their work to complete what he started. And this is what God is calling us to do today. 
amongst one another, amongst brothers and sisters afar off. This is what God is calling us to do. Amongst our neighbors, how else will they know the love of God? Jesus is drawn to need. I think this is what is so beautiful about the church of Macedonia because they were in need. It says they were in deep poverty and they were afflicted. But because they were in that need, the master was there. So they didn't worry. They had joy. How many of us are in need right now? And we find ourselves worrying about this need more than we are trusting that because we have this need, the master is here. We have to see ourselves like, we, like the servants with the five talents and the two talents seeing themselves. We can't see ourselves based off of our yesterday's failures, our last week's mishaps, and our inconsistencies. We can't see ourselves through, the, through those because Jesus don't see us that way. He sees us like the, the master that went off traveling and left us what we can handle to multiply it. And how do we multiply it? We give it away. God cannot fill us if we are full already. But he will keep filling you, no matter what it is, if you're willing to give it away. Amen? Another famous theologian, Oswald Chambers, says, With Christ, it is not how much we give, but what we do not give. That is the real test. How much oil do you have? Isn't that what Elijah asked the Shulamite woman? How much oil do you have? She said, I'm about, I have this little bit. I got this little bit. I'm going to make me one cake. Me and my son going to eat. We're going to die. He's like, well, how about you feed me first? Ooh. <laughs> how about you feed me first? How many of y'all be like, okay, I'm going to feed you. I just told you I'm about to die. I'm hungry over here. You want me to feed you? I mean, that's that's. The fleshly response, you know, the way the world says, the world says, wisdom says, if that's all you got, then tell them, sorry for your luck. I will pray for you. You know, I got to have this. We never know what's coming. That's what the worldly wisdom says. But Christ centered wisdom, wisdom from above says, okay, I got you. This, this is what I got. You and me together. We, we could die here together. It's all right. We together. <laughs> But that's what he says. He himself being our example because he left his high and mighty state to come down to poverty so that you and I could be rich. And he is telling us how to do it. We are making it hard because it's easy to get our eyes off of him and on to our problems. But he's telling us, he's asking us today on Mission Sunday, how much oil do you have? Can you give it away? Can you feed me? Can we feed the man of God? Can we feed the sister over here? Can we feed the sister back here? Let me ask you another question. Side note. If you're brave enough, how many of you have a need? Look around. Do anybody looking at any of these people with their hand up know what their need is? So how can we meet it? Because relationship is key. Relationship is key. This is how the servants knew how to pick up 
and keep going, multiplying the talents that the master gave them because they had relationship with him to know how he moves, how he breathes, how he operates, how he thinks, how he goes, how he stops, when he lays down and when he rises up. Get a relationship with the Lord. It's beyond going to church. It's beyond being cheerleaded to worship. It's in the secret place. It's when you could be sitting here flipping through Netflix, but you decide to sit still and talk to him. It's when you could totally go gossip about what this person said and this person did or didn't do, but instead you open up your word and read it. It's when I don't have it, but I see this person on the street. I'm going to take it. During the holiday, um, what holiday just passed? Memorial? Labor Day? Memorial? During the Memorial um, weekend... Bless my mama heart. Yeah, my mama is a bomb cook. I'm just saying. But when she cooks, she cooks like for a whole, she feed the whole church on her own. We have a big family, and so she considers that, but she'd be like, Phew. So we were, after we ate on Memorial Day, I was just in there talking to the Lord, and I was like, she got all this food. We're going to eat on this. I'm going to eat on this every day for the next few days. I was like, what can we? I said, Mom, can we um, make a few plates and take it to those homeless people we see on these specific corners? Every faithfully, they're on these specific corners. There's three of them. And she thought about it. She's like, yeah, let's do that. So she got up and she made them a plate. I mean, they had, they had ribs. They had the mac and cheese, the good mac and cheese. They had all the good stuff on the plate. And some greens with the ham hocks. It was all in there. <laughs> so, yeah, we made three plates. And me and my daughter, I think, and Zach, I think it was, went and went looking for them to see if they were on the corner. And we found two out of three. The other one wasn't there. But when I took it to uh, the third one that wasn't there, we sat in the McDonald's parking lot because we forgot a fork. I was like, how are they going to eat the food? Let's go get some utensils. So we went and got a fork. And there was a guy on a bike, and he was talking to another guy with a dog. And he came towards where I was. We were sitting in front of the uh, South Madison McDonald's right up to the door. And he was just walking through. And I said, hey, I said, you, um, are you going to get you some McDonald's? He was like, um, well, no. I was like, well, happy Memorial Day. And gave him a plate. And he stood still. And his face turned. And he choked back tears. And he just said, thank you. He wasn't even on the list. But he was at the right place at the right time. And I told him, I said, Jesus loves you. And he, he stood there. He stood as I drove off. He was still standing there like in awe. It wasn't much. It wasn't even my food. <laughs> but it was given away. It was given away. And I'd say for the Lord to put my mother on leadership's heart, it says a lot about what Paul is telling the Corinthian church. It comes back to you. And no, I didn't tell her nothing. And I didn't say nothing. That was all God. So I want to encourage us today. No matter how little or small you may feel about yourself, stop. You are a child of the king. You are called and chosen. You're sitting here not by your own, but because the grace of God is on your life. That's why you're here. It may feel like you got to make this decision. No, we ain't that powerful. <laughs> His grace on your life is what drew you here today, whether you felt like it or not. And if he drew you here, 
and you're sitting under the sound of my voice, this message is for us. You have something to give. And there's somebody that needs what you have. You've seen a hand. Hands go up with needs. Go get to know somebody and see how God wants to use you. Amen. Matthew 25, verse 41 through 46, and I'm going to close. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry or thirsty or a stranger naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? When did we see you? How often, how often do we think of that? Like, we don't physically see Jesus as we know what we read in the Bible. But every time I look at you, brother, Corey, Jesus is there. Every time I look at you, Sister Laura, Jesus is there. Somebody says, I have the Holy Ghost. Say it, I have the Holy Ghost. Is not the Holy Ghost the Spirit of God? Is that not Jesus the Christ we serve? So when you're looking at your brother and your sister, you're looking at the Christ. Do they always act like it? No, but... It doesn't change that he is there, that he loves them, that he calls them, that he chooses to use them, chooses to use you. And so he said, when do we do these things? And he says, verse 45, then shall he answer them, saying, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. Stand with me. <clears throat> John Wesley, he is the founder of the Westland religion. He about halfway went off on this quote, and I'm going to say it to us today. Do you not know that God entrusted you with the money, all above what buys necessity for your families, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to help the stranger, the widow, the fatherless, and indeed, as far as it will go, to relieve the wants of mankind. How can you, how dare you defraud the Lord by applying it to any other purpose? If we want to be blessed and walk in an abundance of life, we must learn to give of ourselves, our resources, our talents, our abilities, and beyond it. We tend to measure God's hand by how we view ourselves. And how we view ourselves is how we tend to measure other people. And so you first must get your heart together with him. So that what he put in you that you have not yet discovered can be pressed out of you to be a blessing to the world. Help me pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord God, that you have trusted us, Lord God, 
with your riches, with your goodness, with your people, that we may multiply in the earth and make you known. Father, you see where our hearts is lacking faith, God. You see, Lord God, our hearts where we are in, in covered, Lord God, in poverty and a poverty mindset. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that this word, Lord God, will take root in the good heart and become fruitful and multiply in our lives. Father, that we be doers, Lord God, of the word and not hearers only today. God, that you will multiply our efforts, Lord Jesus, as we step into faith to show your love to the world. And I thank you, God, for each person here today, Lord God, and what you have instilled and predestined for them to walk in. And I ask, Lord God, that their eyes will turn to you and see you, God, in themselves to stand before you and before man with a clean heart, with good works and stewardship unto the kingdom of God, that we know that it doesn't belong to us, Lord God, but that you have given it to us because you trust us to do more with it, to bring glory to your name. Help us to believe it today. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.